Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths. Fear of public speaking is a common form of anxiety. We've all heard that people would rather die than have to get on the public stage. I don't know if that's true, but I've heard it a lot. So this kind of anxiety can range from slight nervousness to paralyzing fear and panic. See what I just did there? And yes, podcasting is public speaking. My guest today is Victoria Leosnaski. She is here to share how to overcome your fear of public speaking and transform it into a confident, compelling, and captivating speaker or podcast or whatever it is that you need to be doing. So after moving to the U.S. two decades ago with limited English, Victoria overcame, I'm having trouble talking today, and I'm not afraid of podcasting, but we'll deal with it. So Victoria overcame her crippling fear of public speaking to build several businesses, teach in a variety of industries, and speak in front of small and large audiences. She has appeared on Fox Morning News and has been featured in numerous publications, including NBC, CBS, and Biz West Media. So taking her own experiences from going from scared to a sought-after speaker, she founded Brilliant Speakers Academy, which is an online public speaking coaching program. She also owns Nutty Scientists of Houston, which is a passion project about inspiring kids to fall in love with science. Very quickly, Victoria is here today to share how she crushed her decades-old fear of public speaking and learned to enjoy the spotlight. I haven't gotten there yet. Three self-sabotaging mistakes you might be making and how to fix them. This is an important one. We're going to talk about this quite a bit. Why fake it until you make it and just do it scared are not going to work for you no matter how much you practice. What is one thing you should focus on in order to craft an unforgettable talk or live stream? Can introverts make great public speakers? I am a committed introvert, highly committed can't wait to hear what she says about that and what to do when English isn't your native language. Victoria, welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. It's good to have you here. I am thrilled to be here, Denise. Thank you for having me. Listen, you're, I thank you. <laughs> I got so much to say. I'm an introvert. Everybody knows this about me. I'm not shy, not even close. I can speak well, I think, until I get on my own podcast. Um but I don't like to be around people very much. I like people just fine for 59 and three-quarter minutes. So I'm definitely wanting – I'm good for that long that I have to go home. I must go now. I've timed myself over the years. But you've got so much to share, and I really want to hear your story, how you were afraid of public speaking and why, and what drove you to say, you know what, I got this. Not only do I have this – I've crushed it. Now I can teach other people. So welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, I am an introvert too. I probably am not quite as committed as you are. I'm very committed. (laughs) But I'm quite an introvert myself, and I am not shy either. You know, it's funny how people uh, sometimes are confused about what it is to be an introvert. And sometimes people who are introverts, they say, well, but I'm not shy, which means I'm probably not an introvert, which, you know, you and I know it ha- one has nothing to do with the other. It's really all about how people drain you when you are around people, how you may be even, you know, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it while I'm there, but once I step out, oh, my goodness, I'm completely drained. And then to recharge we prefer to be on our own. We prefer to be alone, right? And so for any introvert to know that, hey, I need to be in the spotlight with all eyes of me, everybody watching me, everybody listening to me, this is scary, right? It's it's not even that it's scary, actually. It's just not um, our natural habitat. It's not what we enjoy. 
It's not what we live for in general. And so for anyone out there who is an introvert, we hear you, we see you, we understand where you're coming from. And for anybody out there who is scared of public speaking, I just let me say that this is not a life sentence. It really is not, even though sometimes it feels like it, right? Yes, it's terrifying. Yes, it may give you massive anxiety, but we're going to talk about a lot of things today that I hope will help you take that first step towards igniting your self-confidence. And, you know, with me, yeah, it's it's all about, (laughs) no problem, you know, it's all about, it's all about having a system in place. It really is changing your mindset and having a system in place. It's not about putting a Band-Aid on that fear. I'm not a fan of that. I don't believe in that. And again, we're going to talk about all of this. But as far as me and my story, I used to be absolutely terrified of speaking in public. In fact, and maybe because I was an introvert and still an introvert, when I was little, it was equally hard for me to speak to a group of people or in front of a group of people as it was to speak one-on-one with someone I didn't know, particularly an adult. So I, 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 you know, I still remember if I had to speak even one-on-one, I would be like bright red and sweaty and like, oh my goodness, I'm speaking to someone. So it was not something that I enjoyed. And then when I was about 10 years old, I was asked or requested, I should say, to speak on stage to recite a poem on stage in front of a gigantic audience. Now, I was growing up in the Soviet Union, and this is not a place where you just say, nah, I don't feel like it, no, thank you so much, right? (laughs) They tell you, you're going to, today, here's a poem, learn, you have several hours, learn, and you're going to perform tonight. Um, You just say, okay, uh, thank you for choosing me, great. And so I, I had to learn that poem, which I did. It was a long poem. I learned it. I stepped in front of that audience on that dark stage. And that fear, I still remember it so well. I was 10 years old. That fear just washed over me so badly. I, my knees were shaking. My, I was all sweaty. I couldn't think of anything other than the fact that I'm right here and there are people looking at me, and there are a thousand people probably in the audience, and there is this black microphone, and I'm scared, and I don't know what to say, and I don't remember a single word. And I know a lot of people had a similar experience. And when you have this experience, and I, you know, I ended up running off stage in tears because the audience started giggling. I was standing there staring at them. And when you have an experience like that, you kind of go like, well, I guess public speaking is not my thing. Right? It's just it's just not one of those things I'm meant to do. Um and it's fine. I'll never do it. And I tried to avoid it as much as possible. But when I moved to the United States in my early twenties, very shortly after I started my first business, which was a web development company. And I'm I'm pretty old. My business, YouTube and Facebook did not exist yet. Which means Oh, you and me both you, only- uh, you know Exactly. My web development, I just realized the other day that my web development business is 20 years old. It shocked me. I don't feel like I've been doing it for that long. And you're right. YouTube didn't exist. We didn't have graphical user interface, meaning we couldn't put pictures and it didn't exist. We did HTML. Oh my God, we are old. We did HTML. We're old. We did HTML. I could write, I could create a whole website with HTML in a notepad. I probably yeah, still can't if I really tried. Yeah, my yeah, very you know, first like website was built on a, an old laptop, a thousand-page, yeah. very popular. I sold it for a good bit of money. Website <sighs> on a laptop at night. So yeah, oh my God, I'm going to have to go sit down and think about this. <laughs> and you see, when you are in that in that situation, right? You don't have YouTube, so you can't really pre-record any videos and post. You don't have Facebook. You you really don't have a lot of ways to attract your clients other than the old-fashioned way, meaning that you go in front of an audience and you speak. And I was so scared of that, but I knew I had to do it. And you know, and everyone was like, oh, just do it scared. Oh, you just fake it till you make it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do it. 
And I did it. I pushed through the fear, and I was determined to succeed. And guess what? Nothing happened. I was still just as scared. I still did not enjoy it. I wasn't connecting with my audience because all I could think about was, oh, they're judging me, they're judging me the whole time, right? And, and I know now that I've had so many students, I'm, my students tell me all the time that's exactly how they feel as well. You, you practice and practice and nothing is happening because you're just so focused on your fear. And it took me years to finally kind of break through this barrier and figure out that it's all in my head, that in my mindset, in my head, in my brain. And it's not about, as I said, putting a Band-Aid off, oh, I'm just going to pretend I'm confident and it's all going to be fine. It's not about that. It's about truly learning how to feel confident when you are in front of an audience. Even if you don't feel confident 24-7, when you step in front of an audience, you need to learn how to feel that most confident self in that particular moment. And when I, when I started making those changes, things started shifting, and I pretty much just continued with my life, you know, building businesses and building a career in the corporate, but I was now speaking and speaking all the time and not being not afraid of it and, you know, speaking in a way that people would come up to me after and say, this was amazing. You should be a motivational speaker. You should be teaching people. How do you do it? And I'm like, you're kidding me. I used to be so scared. I don't know what I'm doing at all. I didn't even realize how many people struggle with that same fear, with that same feeling of not being worthy, right, of being in front of an audience, because that's where a lot of it stems from. And that's when I sat down and I kind of deconstructed everything that I had to go through. That became the foundation for my Brilliant Speakers Academy program. And since then, um, for the last few years, that's all I've been doing. I've been helping students and clients overcome their fear of speaking and become confident and passionate and compelling and captivating in front of any audience, virtual or live. Exactly. And, you know, we all have to speak at some point, even if we're just talking to the grocery chore, grocery store. I don't know why I can't talk. To, I know why I can't talk. My feet are cold, like really cold. So I'm concentrating on I that. am wrapped in a blanket. I am wrapped in a blanket. So I've wrapped, got my windows open. Oh, I'm speaking in my car. And we're both in the south. I'm in Texas and you're in Louisiana, but it's kind of cold today. It's 50, but I'm speaking in my car. I know. I'm in the blanket because it's too noisy in the house, and I and I was like, no, 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 I cannot stay in the house. <laughs> and oh. then the car pushing to you. Well, thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate that, but I, I've just realized I'm I'm sitting here underneath my desk, tapping my feet to try to get some warmth into them, and I'm concentrating <laughs> on that instead of you know minding my own language, like not language, but how I'm speaking. So everybody, just forgive me. My feet are cold, but you know you. <laughs> Something that you said a, a minute ago really reminded me that when we have this kind of crippling fear, I guess, it starts very young. I, you know, I was a very, I wasn't a shy child, but I was very quiet. And I can tell you right now, I knew everything the neighbors were up to because I was in those rooms and I was listening and I was aware. They still don't know what <laughs> I know. <laughs> Nobody paid attention to me. I was the quiet kid in the corner. You know, all my siblings oh. were running around screaming, yelling. I was listening. But years mm. ago, I flunked choir, which was my best subject because I was a very strong soprano. In fact, I, my dream was to become an opera singer. I really, and I do wow. still think I could have done that. But, but, and this is important, this was in, you know, young, I was young high school. I was okay in the classroom, in the small chorus room, because there were just a few of us and there were two, two others, me and two other girls that were, we were always the chosen sopranos, always. And I was always the number one soprano until it came time for the Christmas chorale and they wanted me to do a solo on stage in the auditorium. I didn't do it. Mm. I was there. I, I was in the audience, so I just didn't show up on that stage. And they flunked oh. me as they should have. But that changed my entire career path, if you will. I couldn't do it. Getting on a stage in front of I don't know how many people, 
just wasn't going to happen. I couldn't, I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I sure couldn't sing. And I had forgotten mm-hmm. about that, Victoria, until just now. But that crippled me in some ways. I was probably 15 years old. And it changed my mm-hmm. my path. It really did. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Now I and think I'll go cry a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, you well, know, I've, I found another way. Yeah. But it's sad how those experiences shape us. So many people base their opinion of themselves on something that happened in the past, on a failure, right, that happened in the past. And sometimes you forget about it. You don't even remember what happened when you were 5, 10, 15. But in some way or form, it shapes who you are. And later down the road, there is this fear, and it may be completely illogical. But a lot of times it stems from, I failed, and that's why I'm not good at this, right? Right. But we we talk all the time. We speak all the time. Why can't we, and this is a serious question, why can't we just take that conversation, friendly conversation that we're having in the grocery store, because I live in the South, we all talk to one another. You cannot <laughs> walk in or out of a grocery store without half a dozen people saying, hey, how are you? And if they know you, how's your mom and them? So, oh, my God, I just want you know, cereal. <laughs> but... You know, we are a friendly bunch down here. So, you I mean, you have conversations with people you will never see again. You're perfectly fine. It flows. It's enjoyable. Why can't we translate that kind of ease, if you will, into public speaking? But I think we can. I think you're here to share why how we can. Yes, we can. We absolutely can. But I think the reason that can one-on-one, we're so used to it. It's almost automatic. We don't feel judged so to speak. Even when we speak to a stranger, we, we, we don't feel judged because we're just in you know, exchange of friendly bender. But as soon as there is more than one person and we speak and they're all looking at us, we immediately feel that we are being judged in some way. And I think this is really the key because the, this, this fear, this illogical fear is not about you know, something reasonable. It's not about, yes, these people are scary and I'm afraid for my life, right? This illogical fear is all about your sense of status. And I'll explain what I mean. It's, we have a certain feeling about ourselves. We have a certain position, so to speak, right? Certain sense of status. And when we are faced with someone potentially undermining our sense of status, I think we immediately experience this fear. And anytime we're in front of an audience speaking, and it could be, again, virtual, it could be a podcast, right? It could be a live stream, or it could be live on stage. It could be in a meeting with just a few people. When we speak and everybody else is looking at us, we feel that they're judging us, and then we feel that if we don't do an exceptional job, then our sense of our status is going to fall in their eyes. They're not going to think that we are as good as they thought. We're not as much of an expert. And this is where it all comes from, that we are afraid to be found out. And it's completely, completely illogical because people who experience this, some of these people are some of the biggest experts in their niche. But then they are in front of an audience they begin to doubt themselves. And it's really all about this staying in your head and focusing on, oh, I'm being judged. Oh, and not only I'm being judged, I'm about to be, and not only I'm about to be found out, they're going to know that I am not good enough. Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, that's exactly what it is. And it's called imposter syndrome. And we all experience it. And unfortunately, there is no logic to it, which means people who experience, if you talk to some of the biggest, biggest, let's say, stars of the online world, right? Let's say some of the biggest influencers, most of them will say that they experience imposter syndrome. 
which makes no sense whatsoever. You have an audience of millions. You, you, you are considered an expert in your niche. But a lot of times, that little voice in their head tells them, oh, they're going to find out. I'm not all that great. And this is something that so many of us experience. And that's what causes this massive fear of speaking. You know, Victoria, one of my, he's a friend of mine. He's also been a podcast guest here multiple times. It's Larry Winget. He's written mm-hmm. six New York Times bestsellers. He's, he has no filters. I love Larry Winget. Yeah. He will tell you how the corn grows. The very first podcast I had with him, and I wrote this on an index card. It's old. It's crumpled. It's, it's on my board. It's yellowing. That's how long it's been up there. And he said, and I'm going to quote it, what you think of me is really none of my business. Now, this was a book that he had read. And all of a sudden, I went, oh, my God. He told me why I never have really cared what other people think. It isn't my business. I can't possibly think. And I don't mean that to sound as bad as it sounds. It's just not my concern what you're thinking. Unless you are doing something that directly impacts me, it's not my business. So I've always, I've been that way all my life. And when he said that to me, I was like, oh, that's perfect. It's one of my favorite phrases ever. So I guess what you're saying is we can't possibly know what our audience is thinking unless they get online and say something. But other than that, you really shouldn't concern yourself with it and just do what you do best. Is that what you're saying? Um, Yes. Yes and no. There are two things. There are two ways to think about it. One way is exactly how Larry said, don't care about what other people think. And and sometimes it's hard because some for some of us it's easy to just say, okay, well I'm not going to care what they think. But for other people, a slightly different angle of it is easier. And it's you don't know what other people think, so don't put your insecurity into their mind. And what I mean by this is that sometimes we think that the world revolves around us, and it truly doesn't. You may be speaking to a group of people and, you, and you're thinking, oh, they're judging me. And they're not judging you. They're so focused on what you're saying. They couldn't possibly judge you. Or they're, so, they're thinking about something else and they're not judging you. A lot of times we're just thinking that we're being judged. But the reality is, and the biggest gift you can give to yourself is, and it's a slight variation of what Larry says, the biggest gift you can give to yourself is instead of focusing on being judged and on what other people think of you, you shift the focus away from you to the people in front of you. But instead of thinking what they're thinking of you, you shift the focus to how am I going to make them feel about what I'm saying? And when oh. you make this shift, and that's a fundamental shift, mm-hmm. when you shift the focus away from, oh, they're judging, and you keep on being focused on yourself and your fear and your self-doubt, and you shift the focus to them and how you want to make them feel with what you're saying, when all of your focus is on how I want to make them feel without going into what they're thinking of me. It's how you're trying to make them feel. That's when the magic begins to happen. Because when we are shifting all our focus on what I'm saying is going to impact them, what I'm saying is going to give them something that they don't have yet, or what I'm saying is going to inspire or motivate them, or it's going to educate them. But whatever we are saying is going to make them feel a certain way. And when you put all of your focus on how you're trying to make them feel, your fear begins to subside because your brain is so focused on what you're saying and how you're trying to deliver your message and how you're trying to create the special feeling in other people that your brain is not focusing on your fear. And when your brain is not focused on your fear, it's not sending fear signals into your body, meaning that you, it's not sending that signal that you need to feel sweaty or you need to shake or you need to, you know, you, you, your brain needs to be foggy. You are putting all of your focus on one thing only, 
how can I benefit people in front of me? And then your fear begins to subside. I love that. Do you have any exercises that you teach people to, you know, kind of make that step away from, oh, my gosh, they're looking at me to, you know, how do I help? How do I be of assistance? You know, the only thing you can do is be intentional and consistent with it. At some point, the good news is, the good news is, at some point, it's going to become automatic. You won't have to think about it. But what you need to do, and so let's say today, so let's just say today you have a live stream and you're terrified. You know you have to turn on that camera, you have to look at that camera, and there are people on the other side who are watching you. And you're scared. And what I want you to try and do is, you know what you're going to talk about, right? But as you're looking at what you're going to talk about, I want you to think not just about the content, not just what I'm going to say, but how that content to benefit my audience. So think about that first. And then, so let's say you want your content, so like Denise, you right now, you want your content, the content of your podcast to inspire your audience, right? You want to help your audience. And so before you go on a podcast, you, you probably think about that. And so what I want you guys to do is before you go on a live stream today, before you talk to someone today, think about, okay, why am I going to be talking about this? What, how will my content benefit my audience? And then as you turn on that camera, the only thing I want you to consciously, intentionally, consistently think about is how am I benefiting them? Is what I'm saying benefiting them? You cannot go back into, oh, I'm scared. Oh, they're judging me. You cannot go back into that. And you have to be intentional about it. Do not allow those thoughts to creep into your mind. And the way you don't allow is by staying 100% laser focused on how my content right now, this second, is benefiting my audience. And when you intentionally and consistently do that every time, it's going to become so much easier. And with enough practice of that, you're not going to be doing it intentionally. It will become a habit. That is true. When I first started my podcast, oh gosh, 13 years ago, even though I wasn't on camera, you'll never see pictures of me online. Everybody knows this. (laughs) But I was still, and this is, it's been a while since this has happened, but I would get very nervous you know, about five minutes before I knew I was going to go live, I would just go, oh, <laughs> you know, go yeah. through all of the, my tummy hurts, my feet are cold, I don't want to do this, oh, crap. <laughs> and then I would yep. get on with my guests who are always brilliant and let them basically inspire my audience and soothe my soul, so to speak. I learn so much from my guests, and I know my audience does as well, or this podcast wouldn't have gotten this far, but it took, I'm going to say five or six years before I stopped having those stomach flutters and just said, hey, it's podcast time. Yahoo, let's go. It took a while. <laughs> it really did. Well, and you know, and in your case, when you have a guest, right? So it's not just you speaking, you, are, you, you have a guest. Right. Then, of course, you're focusing on how you can veer the conversation to benefit your audience the most. You know that your guest is going to benefit the audience, but you are trying to veer the conversation and keep it in, in, in a way that's going to make your audience get the most out of it. So you are focused, audience, first and foremost, and you may not even think about it this way, but this is exactly what you're doing every time you do a podcast. You are thinking of you know, what your guest brings to the table, and then you go like, okay, well, what kind of questions am I going to ask? to have my audience get the most out of it. And this is exactly the mindset you need to have. And when you stay focused on that, the whole conversation, that's when the magic happens. That's when the fear begins to subside. And it did over time. And now, and I was thinking about this, oh, a couple of weeks ago. You know, I was, I can't remember now who my guest was because I do this twice a week now. But I remember thinking, hey, my stomach doesn't hurt. And then I started thinking, how long has it been 
since I was worried about, am I going to make an idiot of myself, which I'm going to do every single podcast. That's just, I, you know, go ahead and I just go with it. (laughs) So I'm going to stumble. (laughs) I'm going to say things that I'm like, oops, maybe I shouldn't have said that. It's live. It happens. But now that it's very, very natural to me, I enjoy these chats so much. I can't even tell you how much. And you guys, all of you bring just immense value to a very large audience. So it works. But I got out of my own way, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yep. And and I want to mention something that you just said. And I think it's very important to talk about it. You just said, and every time I say something wrong or every time I stumble or every time something goes, I mean, not necessarily wrong, but there is something, like I make a mistake, right? And so let's talk about it because I know a lot of times people are afraid to speak publicly, particularly live. That's why podcast or, you know, live stream is a lot more scary than a pre-recorded video that you, you can just delete. You are afraid of making a mistake, which is very human. We are all afraid of making a mistake. But what you need and, and by the way, I'm not going to teach you how not to make a mistake. It's not possible. I know. I gave up. Yeah. yeah. You are going to make a mistake. There's going to be something, and, and, and there's going to be something, basically, that something will go wrong. There's going to be a mistake. It's impossible not to make them. Now, what we can do is we can change our attitude about them. So you do not, and, and, and let me say it again. You do not see a mistake as something that's going to ruin your presentation. You must see a mistake as some audience forgives you for this. And this is the truth. And you, if you think of your own experience listening to other people, and if you just really, really try to remember, you're going to say, oh, wait, yeah, no, this guy that who I really enjoyed, who was given this amazing presentation, he actually made a mistake and I didn't even notice. Or sometimes we notice and that makes the speaker even more endearing to us, even more human. Because, you know, any time, like, like, for example, Denise, you remember how you, you kind of stumbled on some words? And yeah. I can guarantee that nobody in the audience went like, you know what, I'm tuning off. You know what, let me just turn this off. That's ridiculous. Oh, my gosh. No, that's not. That is so unprofessional, right? It's ridiculous that somebody would even think that. No. People would probably maybe even chuckle and like, yep, Denise is just like me. Yep, she is so human. She's so relatable. When we make a mistake, when otherwise your presentation is focused on the benefits to your audience, right? And then you make a mistake. You miss, misspeak or, or you say something you're like, wait a second, let me, let me go back and say it again, right? Our audience doesn't judge us for it. It doesn't blame us for our mistakes. Our audience sees them as us being human, being regular people just like them. That makes you more relatable when you make a mistake than when you're 100% perfect. Because nobody can relate to perfection. So don't be afraid of those mistakes, of of anything that you say that you're like, oh, wait, oh, no, let me just correct that. That doesn't make you less of an expert. That makes you human. Exactly. And I'm so glad you said that. And since we're talking a bit about podcasting, I lurk around in a couple of podcast groups on Facebook. And, oh, my gosh. I will never, Victoria, I will never, ever need a facelift. My facelift, my eyebrows are in my hairline constantly going, what? <laughs> what? What are they talking about? What? <laughs> it's just, but so many of them are saying, I need to edit this out. I need to do this. My dog was barking. So dogs bark. They do. I've got a cat named hashtag Hamilton is an ass. He's loud. He doesn't have an indoor voice. He's 20 pounds. He's screaming at the birds across the house. Podcast guests can hear him. I'm not editing him out. <laughs> That's my boy. <laughs> but but the thing is, there's so many people, and I've heard a couple of podcasts. I'm not going to say who they are. They're They're terrific podcasts. They're really big names. But they have sanitized their podcast to the point where they are perfect, and they're boring. 
They're boring. Right. Because I'm not picking up any, and you said it, you, human, you humanness is just, it's like it's so, I don't know, you know, Hollywood. I don't enjoy them. You know, I want to hear somebody go, ow, my keyboard just fell on my lap or something. You know, I want some humanness. So that's just me. But I'm so glad you brought that up because, look, I make all kinds of mistakes on my podcast. They're kind of fun. You know, sometimes I'm like, yeah. Oh crap! But you know that those are not often. You know, if it happens, yeah. it happens. And, and, and you know what? If so, so let me give you an advice how you handle a mistake. Okay, so let's say, and I'm talking to the audience, not to you, Jimmy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know I make them. So, so if this is your fear, oh my gosh, I'm gonna make a mistake, and they will think. I am less of an expert that I'm trying to be here when I'm speaking live, right? So, okay, so you make a mistake. So let's say you make a mistake that only you know about. You made a mistake, you, and, and let's say that mistake was you were going to talk about something and you forgot to talk about it and you skipped to the next point. You know you made a mistake. You know you skipped it. But does your audience know? Absolutely not. They don't have a transcript of your presentation, right? So they have no clue you skip something. Go with the flow. Keep on going. If you need to return to that point that you missed, you'll just go back to it. Nobody will even notice. So if this is a mistake that nobody knows about, just continue going as if nothing happened. Because nothing happened. But if you make a mistake that's noticeable, so let's say you, um, let's say misspell a word, right? Noticeable. Then what you do is as soon as you realize you said something wrong, you laugh about it. You laugh about it. You make a joke about it. You may even have a prepared joke to say in case something like this happens. So you make a joke. You correct your mispun going as if nothing happened. The worst thing you can do, and I've seen people do it, and I, and I know you've seen it too, somebody makes a mistake. And then they start apologizing about it and apologizing about it. And, they, and they're like, oh, you know, you're probably thinking of me, blah, blah. And, it's, and, and they're making a huge deal out of something that people wouldn't even pay attention to. So you don't apologize about it. You don't uh, pay attention to it. You laugh about it. You quickly fix it. And you keep on going as if nothing happened. And there was actually a, a research done on this very topic. And it was very interesting where uh, there was, I'm not going to, give you all the details, but there was a research where somebody spoke with and without a mistake. Um, I think the mistake was somebody spilled coffee on TV, and that was a mistake, intentional mistake. And then they had the audience um, surveyed to see which presentations they liked more. And people who watched the presentation with a spilled coffee liked the speaker a lot more than the ones who were watching a speaker without a spilled coffee. It was the same speaker. So oh. when we make a mistake, That's our audience, it is interesting. Because that made, and because that speaker spilled the coffee, go like, <laughs> okay, that's me. I'm, you know, whatever. Like, made some joke about it and continued going. The audience laughed about it. But they didn't think of that speaker as somebody, oh, no, let me turn off the TV now. That's not an expert, right? They they laughed about it and they liked the speaker more because of that mistake, because that clumsiness made that speaker human and relatable and like that. And that's what made them like that speaker more. So if you make a mistake, laugh about it and keep on going as if nothing happened and rest assured that your audience will like you more for it. Oh, I agree with you. And, you know, I've seen similar things, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, been there, done that, and now you're engaged because that person is human and not picture perfect. So let's go back to, and this is important, how introverts can make public speakers. And the reason I ask you this, Victoria, you would be surprised, or maybe not. You know, I've got five or 600 podcasts that are out there. I mean, I've been doing this for 13 years and I always ask people because I do this after the show kind of 
you know, chat and say, okay, that was fun, or man, I really messed that one up, or can you come back? No, there's no telling what we're going to talk about after the show. But (laughs) I will often find out that so many of the people, well-known names that have been on this podcast are introverts. It's it's an astonishing percentage of introverts. A lot of them are public speakers. A lot of them are authors. You know, a lot of them have graced the stage and they're making, you know, 60 to 100 grand per step. It seems like they hit that stage and you know that somebody had to pay them at least that much to get them on the stage. They're introverts. It's amazing Mm -hmm. to me. But I will say that I find introverts think a lot. We're thinkers. We're in our heads. We're studying. We're observing. We think we're pretty deep thinkers. And that makes a difference for us and how we react and behave in the world. So how do introverts make great speakers? You know, it's funny. You're absolutely right. It's that deep thinking and being in your head all the time is really what characterizes introverts. And that's a, that's a, a plus and a minus. <laughs> the plus yeah. is that because then, then we are deep thinkers, but the minuses, we're in our head all the time, and that contributes to the whole, oh, are they judging me? Yes, they are judging me. Oh, I'm not an expert. So what you need now, there are other things that we, are, uh, we, we have as introverts, and that is when we have a conversation, clear one-on-one conversation, we are really good on focusing on the other person, right? When mm-hmm. we, so let's say when we are forced, because nobody wants to do that, when we are forced to go to a networking event, which I, I absolutely, ah, uh, it's like the worst nightmare for an introvert. I won't right? do it. When we're I forced, refuse. I, I will not I, do it. I, I, I had to do so many, but, but like, particularly when I just started my first business, like years, years, years back, I had to do so many. And I still remember, oh, I, I was dreading them so much. And I still dread them. But so what we usually do, and if you've done any, you'll agree with me. <laughs> we usually do. We go to a networking event. We, we, we look around and we are hoping to find somebody who is looking kind of like us, lost and standing by herself and really not wanting to talk to somebody. And that's the person that we usually go up to and strike a conversation, even if we are that brave. Or one of those people actually comes up to us because we're kind of seeking each other. Like we know that we don't want to be mingling with everyone. And so we're looking for some just one person. And then when we have that conversation, we don't talk about ourselves ever. We focus on asking questions right? Because we don't want to be the center of attention. We do not want the conversation to be about us. We want the conversation to be as far away from us as possible. And so what we do normally is we would be asking the other person questions and listening and asking more questions and making the whole conversation about them. And then at the end of the conversation, when we told them nothing about ourselves at the networking event, (laughs) at the end, they'll be like, oh, this was really such a great conversation. You know, this was the best conversation I had today. Because we let them talk about themselves or we kept on asking questions. But this is our strength as introverts to be able to shift the focus away from us to the other person. And we do it all the time automatically. We are experts at this simply because we don't want the focus to be on us. And that's oh. our greatest strength. That's and our you greatest know, strength. I have, I've always done that, but I always thought it was a privacy issue for me. I'm an intensely, intensely private person. Always have been, always will be. And look, I've mentioned this earlier. I live in the South. People will ask you questions that they have no business asking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and I live in Cajun country, so it's ten times worse. I'm like, what? <laughs> Who are you? I don't even know you. Don't touch me. I don't want to hug you. It's just difficult. But you know, people want to talk and they want to hug, and I don't like any of those things. But, but I have had some terrific conversations with perfect strangers in the grocery store, in you know, in theaters, wherever I happen to be. But I always learn, you're right, I always learn so much about them, and I never answer questions about me, because frankly, I don't think it's any of their business. So it's, and the way, you're, yeah, you're and teaching the way you me something new. I thought I was just being cranky. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I'm being protective. No, 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 no. 
you're being protected, you're being an introvert. You know, it's not even the privacy, I think. It's, it's just us being introverts because oh. I'm not quite as private, but I am, as an introvert, I just don't want to talk about myself. I don't want the, that spotlight to be on me. When I'm talking to someone, I want the spotlight automatically to go to them because that means I'm in the dark, right? If the spotlight is on them, I'm not in the spotlight, which means gotcha. I don't have to talk about myself, but I'm going to make them talk about themselves. And I think that I bet what you do when people ask you, because away from you to them, right? You immediately go like, oh, wait, oh wait, tell me about yourself. And then Well, talk. either that or I tell them it's none of their business, which I have been known to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't so like it. Business environment. Yeah, so let's say it's a business environment. <laughs> Who tells them? Not only business, right? But if it's a business environment, what you normally do is you you very politely shift the conversation to them, and then you stay mm. there the whole time. But the reason this really is helpful to us as introverts is because we already know how to shift the focus away from ourselves to the other person, right? And remember how a few minutes ago I talked about how that is one of the key things you can do in public speaking is shift the focus away from you to your audience. So as an introvert, you're already pre-programmed to shift the focus away from you to to somebody you're speaking to. So now you just need to apply this when you're speaking to a group of people. You are shifting the focus away from you to other people. You're not asking them questions, but you are focusing on them and their feelings. And what you're trying to say is all about them. It's a similar thing. It's just done slightly differently, but the idea is exactly the same. You put the spotlight on them. Everything you're saying is about them. How can I benefit you the most, right? How can I benefit you the most? You're not talking about yourself, talking about them. You just shifted the focus away from you to them, and we are great at that. So now you just need to take that and apply it to a larger group of people. And see, I never realized, and this is very odd because I like to think I'm you know, fairly intelligent most days, but it never occurred to me that, you know, maybe not on Mondays, but most days, but, but it just, listening to you, I'm thinking, I've always done this. This is just very natural to me. I've always watched, listened, observed and then figured out how I want to navigate what I've learned. That's interesting. I didn't know it. It's just so ingrained in me that I had no clue. Yeah, and it's ingrained in every introvert, very much so. And the more, you know, especially in the business world, the more we meet other people, the more we practice it one-on-one. And all of us are really good at it. And so it's just a matter of applying it to one to many. Shift the focus away from you to the other person. You know, when you were talking a bit ago about having to go to some of these networking things, years ago I did have to go to a few. And, oh, my God, I hated them. I just was miserable. I would often ask the person in charge, can I just work, work a booth? Can I just you know, hand out pamphlets? Do yeah. I have to talk to people? Yeah. And what I yeah. found is that, and some people came up to me after a couple of these, they said, Denise, we knew that you didn't want to be here. So how do you know this? So you had your keys in your hand the whole time. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I never put my keys away. I got to go. <laughs> and I had forgotten about that. <laughs> so when you're, one of these things that you're looking for your opposite, look for the keys. If those keys are in their hand and they're jiggling, you found your person. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> yeah, and then especially icebreakers, those are the worst. It's networking is already bad enough, but when the organizers go like, and now we're going to do an icebreaker, and you right away know who's the next trigger. <laughs> They're like, yay, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, oh, God, well, can I hide? Can I please call somewhere under the seat and not do the icebreaker? I'm, you know, and I've, I've done so many of them, and even in recent years, and it's just, oh, Seriously, and I'm not afraid of public speaking. It's an introvert in me. It's an introvert who does not want to be in the spotlight. But, you know, it's funny when, you know, at the very beginning when you were introducing me, you said that what I teach is how to enjoy the spotlight. I don't necessarily teach how to enjoy thinking about the spotlight, (laughs) thinking about, 
oh, I will be in the spotlight. But once you're in the spotlight, that's when you enjoy it. Because what, when, once you change that thinking about public speaking, kind of change your whole mindset about public speaking and what it is, you begin to enjoy that time when you are speaking. You may not be looking forward to it quite as much as extroverts do, but once you're there, you're actually learning to enjoy it. And I think a lot of it comes from you realizing that you are not focused on yourself, that you are able to shift the focus to your audience, that you are able to stay in that space of giving, the space of service, the space of benefiting other people, and staying in that space, as funny as it sounds, it helps you with your fear. But that's one thing. It really does, yeah. and I've noticed that with my podcast over the years. And very quickly, have you noticed, and then we'll go back to what you're talking about if I don't want to forget this, have you noticed that most introverts are also, by and large, claustrophobic? I am. I'm not. You know, I know, and, and maybe I haven't noticed because I'm not, and that's why I never thought about it. Interesting. No, I I actually like smaller spaces, funny enough. <laughs> Oh, small spaces are fine, but if you get three people in a circle around me, I'm I'm trying to find a way out. Oh, 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 oh! In that sense, no, yeah. that I don't like. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't like people. I don't want to be in a crowd, and I don't like people like too close to me. I'm very protective of my personal space. Yeah, in that sense, yes, I think that's an being an introvert. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, uh, which is, which is fine with public speaking fortunately because you don't need to be that close to people <laughs> exactly i have been known to say okay everybody six feet away back up back up and i've, I've been known to do it everybody back up a bit you're breathing on me i don't like it <laughs> and they laugh yeah, and they it, move, yeah. i can't take it i really can't okay so what i wow we've only got about seven minutes so did we cover this has been so much fun did we cover the self-sabotaging mistakes that you might be making did we go there Let's let's talk about them real quick because okay. it is important. But actually, before we go there, let me talk about something really, really quickly. And the one another thing that, as an introvert, especially if you're an introvert, another thing that to make it a lot easier for you is to think. As introverts, we are actually okay with one-on-one conversations. We enjoy them because we are able to go deep with another person, and we like that. We don't like fluff as much. We like thinking. We like having this deep conversation one-on-one with just one person and getting to know that person and, again, asking questions. And that conversation is a little one-sided, but still. So what I want you to think about is when you're thinking about public speaking, I want you to think about it as a conversation, not as a presentation, as a conversation so that you're having a conversation with your audience because that makes it so much easier for you to be yourself, to be, to feel like you are okay, that you're not being judged. Because when we're having a conversation with friends, we don't feel judged. We're just having a conversation. And so thinking of public speaking as a conversation, it does help a lot. And so try that. Try thinking that, no, I'm not going to be lecturing them on my live stream. I'm just going to have a chat. I'm just going to have a conversation. I'm going to make it very casual. And that helps so much. But going back to self-sabotaging mistakes, one of the biggest self-sabotaging mistakes, I think, is that we, when we have an anxiety about public speaking, we usually look for a way why we're going to fail in public speaking. It's so weird and counterintuitive, but it's true. We always look for a reason why we're not good at this, why we're not going to succeed. Let me give you an example. And these are the stories that we tell ourselves, that we have in our head. And those stories could be what we already talked about. I failed before. And because I failed before, I'm not going to be good at this. Or it could be a story of, but I am an introvert, which means I don't like the spotlight, which means I'll never like it. I'll never be good at it. Or you tell yourself a story of how you're not attractive enough to be on camera. Well, I'm not attractive. I'm not, I I don't look good on camera. I shouldn't be on the live stream. Or you're telling yourself, well, 
English is not my first language. I speak with an accent. People won't understand me, and that's why I'm not going to be good at it. These are just a few examples, but all of us, all of us have these stories telling ourselves for years. And some people call them stories. Some people call them limiting beliefs. But these are the stories that are playing out in our head all the time, and we believe in them as if they're gospel truth. But the reality is they're nothing but stories. And until we are able to logically explain to ourselves and work through those stories and that those stories are not true, these stories will continue holding us back. And this is the very first step. The very first step that you need to do is to work through your mindset, through the stories you tell yourself, and really understand where they're coming from and what they are. Because until they're out in the open, you're going to continue believing in them. But you need to get them out in the open, and you need to tell yourself why they are not true. And this is very important, and this is a really, really big self-sabotaging mistakes. You know, I, and I can't remember her name, but there's a, a very famous motivational speaker, and it'll come to me after we get off the line, but she always asks the question, is it true? Is it really true? And I think a lot of us don't spend enough time asking ourselves about our little thoughts that we have in our head that we've had for a long, long time, whether they're true. Are they really true? God, what is her name? Um, I'll think of it. But I caught myself over time asking myself, okay, you've been thinking this way for a long, long time. Is this true? And, you know, that's kind of part of the way. But when you get to the part, is it really true? And you go, well, huh, it actually isn't. So that's something to think about when you're having these chats with yourself. Is it true? And and these are important because when you and that's what a lot of my students tell me in the beginning they're like well um, i know um, you know i'm not i know i'm not good at this because and then they say something well this because is a story you're telling yourself because absolutely everyone anyone and everyone can become a confident compelling and captivating speaker anyone regardless who you are what your experience has been what you do Anyone can do it. The first step is to, is to not let this, your mind play games with you. It's not let your mind tell you lies and you continue believing in those lies. Because that's the first step when you realize, no, the fact that I was, you know, put off stage 10 years ago has nothing to do with me now. That was a lesson. I learned it. I'm moving on. And what I'm doing today has nothing to do with my past failure. Or it has nothing to do with how I look or who I am or what I know. You really need to own who you are and what you give to the world and what you bring to the table, what you can show to your audience, to the people you're speaking to to your potential clients, to your peers, to your colleagues, to your bosses. You need to show what you know and who you are. And those little stories in your head that are telling you that you are not good enough because of X, Y, Z are stories that you need to work through. Exactly. It was Byron Katie I was trying to think of. Mm, I love her work. Couldn't remember the name, but it's Monday. Okay, so we covered. Did we cover all three? Self sabotage. We did. We okay, did keep, not. Listen, we are going okay. to. We're about to lose our live stream, but we're going to keep recording. So don't feel like you have to rush or go. Can you stay with me a few more minutes? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, good. Okay, so keep on going. I don't want you to lose your your train of thought there. Okay, so the second mistake is. The fact that when you speak to your audience, you focus on your fear. I want to hammer this point. You focus on your fear. And that, a lot of times, this is caused by people telling us, well, just do it scared, right? Then how many times have you heard this? 
oh, well, if you, you know, if you're scared, just do it scared. And you're going to push through your fear. Well, here is the thing. When you constantly do it scared <laughs> and you constantly push through your fear, you develop a habit that when you speak in any public capacity, you're supposed to feel scared. It becomes a habit because you always feel scared and you keep on focusing on your fears the whole time, right? And that's what I was trying to teach you is not to focus on your fear, but actually shift the focus away from you, which of course requires a lot of work. But, but when you stay focused on your fear and you push through that fear, all you're doing is you're developing a habit of speaking while experiencing fear all the time. And the problem with it is that no matter how long you're going to be doing it, you're going to continue experiencing fear because now you've built this habit of doing it scared. And it's hard to break out of that habit. And that's why we need to focus on overcoming the fear first of building up that unshakable confidence on, on conquering that fear because otherwise we are building a habit. And that takes me to the third self-sabotaging mistake. And that is practice makes perfect. You know, again, something that we've all heard, practice makes perfect. And everyone knows it and everyone is doing it because we're told that if we practice long enough, we're going to get better. But when we practice wrong things, all we're doing is we are cementing those wrong things in our mind. And a lot of people, when they, are, they do have anxiety about public speaking, they go like, okay, well, I'm just going to learn some little tips and tricks. I'm just going to go and watch some YouTube videos. I'm going to go and read some blogs, and I'm going to have some tips on maybe how I walk or how I talk or how I dress or how I move my hands, and that's going to cover up my fear, and, and I'm just going to practice doing that. But the truth is, if you're practicing doing the wrong things, all you're doing is you're reinforcing the wrong things. Practice makes perfect only when you're practicing the right things. And we all know that. If you're playing piano and you keep your hands placed incorrectly all the time from the time you were a child, even as an adult, you're going to be playing piano with your hands positioned incorrectly. And that's going to probably prevent you from becoming really great at it. But when you practice placing your hands correctly, then you're practicing it right. You're practicing the right thing, and then you be, you're, you're developing a habit of doing it right. Same with public speaking. When you're practicing wrong things, you, all you're doing is you're establishing a habit. And so all of these things, they kind of all come together. They're three separate mistakes, but they're kind of becoming one, where you have this mindset of, I'm not good enough because X, Y, Z, your story. I I'm going to push through my fear, but as you're pushing through your fear, all you're doing, you're focusing on your fear. And the whole time you're just telling yourself, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. They're judging me. Oh, I hope they don't see how scared I am. Oh, I hope maybe I can fake it and, and pretend I'm confident. So that you, you're just being in your head and in your fear the whole time. And the third mistake is then you continue practicing it that way. You continue practicing speaking from the place of fear, always speaking from the place of fear. And that creates a habit. And coupled with your stories, continue feeling scared. You continue feeling that you don't enjoy it. You continue feeling anxiety over it. And you're kind of speaking in circles. And that's why these are the mistakes. Right. And you said something so important that, you know, you – you're practicing and you're saying, okay, I'm just going to do some tips and tricks. But my, when you were saying that I was writing down three words, and you're just doing tricks that are really somebody else. They're not yours. They didn't come from the wellspring of who you are. You're stifling three things, your intuition, your empathy, and your creativity. Absolutely. You're putting a Band-Aid. That's what I call a Band-Aid. Right. You're putting right. a Band-Aid on your fear on who you are, especially when you're pretending to be someone you're not. You are basically putting a Band-Aid on your fear. And you know, if you're, if you're, let's say your hand hurts and you put a Band-Aid on it, 
it's not going to help the pain. It's just a Band-Aid. It's not going to heal it. What's going to heal it is either real medicine or, you know, physically doing something with that hand. Band-Aid is not going to help. And a lot of people pick up this either some Palaeusian and they feel like this is a trick that are uh, universally going to be helpful, which they're not, or they're trying to be someone they're not in general. They're just trying to mimic somebody they maybe they admire or they like, and they try to be like that person. And that's a band-aid on top of your fear. You're exactly. not learning how to become confident. All you're, lear- <sighs> all you're doing is you're building a habit of appearing confident. But what you need to do is you need to build a habit of feeling confident. And those are completely different things. Appear confident versus feel confident on the inside. Oh, absolutely. And the to your bandage analogy, I always call it, you know, trying to, to bandage a hemorrhage. It's not going to work. It's just not going nope. to work. Yeah. Victoria, it has been wonderful speaking with you. I love all of your your tips and advice, and you're just a fun person to chat with. So, (laughs) thank you. Before I let you go, and thank you for staying over a few minutes. um, Is there anything that you want people to know before I let you go? Well, if you would like to learn more about overcoming your fear of speaking, then definitely come to my website. I have some free resources right there on the homepage and I have some free training, free course. So you can continue, continue improving. And of course you can absolutely work with me as my student or as my one-on-one client. If you would like to, if you would like me to help you transition from where you are right now, to truly build an unshakable self-confidence, to truly becoming a confident, compelling, and captivating speaker. And my website is www.bybyvictoriaell.com. Perfect. Say that one more time so people can write it down if they weren't scribbling. <laughs> www.bybyvictoriaell.com, which is L for Lewisniansky, my long last name, <laughs> .com. Perfect. Victoria, thank you so much. And before we say goodbye, I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us. We're in iTunes. We're in, honestly, I just found this out the other day. I was so shocked. We are in Audible. Go figure. Yay! So I know. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then I pet myself on the head, and then I went to bed. So, in, you know, just look for us. <laughs> Is that exciting? Anywhere else you consume your business podcasts, we're there. So just look for your partner in Success Radio and take us along on your success journey. Victoria, thank you. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far-reaching podcast, contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.